Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So I needed to tell me if I'm absolutely bonkers or (laughs) if you get it. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. So... For those of you who follow my personal Instagram, you may have seen I've been working on my garage and we've previously built a tool wall and that's been going well. And we recently added this like mudroom kind of like feature wall that'll just make taking shoes on and off easier going in and out of the house. But the debate is how much do you bring the inside out? in terms of decor and like making it feel like a part of the house when technically speaking, there's not regulated air temperature and cars are dragging in dirt and stuff like that. So would you put fake plants in a (laughs) garage? No, I would not. Personally, I would not. Fake plants, in my opinion, even indoors in the best place are just dust collectors and that's if in a clean house so I could only imagine how dirty they would get in a garage I think I'm doing it anyways (laughs) (laughs) I know I know (laughs) no granted I was thinking it would look better if there was like a bigger potted one that was like more on the ground but I did opt for things that are pretty high up, pretty far away from the ground. Yeah. would theoretically limit it to mostly dust and not necessarily like leaves and dirt getting. Right. But now, cause you only have that one door that brings in light. You don't also have windows in there, right? No, there's two or three huge windows. And then when we switch out the garage doors, we're planned to add doors that have windows in them so I would put real plants in there (laughs) well we've thought about that I think we could potentially have some that would do better in in being ignored yeah 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 my concern is 
actually less about light for real plants and more about temperature for real plants because it bakes. Yeah, you'd have to like, yeah, well, I mean, you could turn it into a tropical greenhouse in the summer. You would just have to bring in those plants in the winter, but it would get really hot in there. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, it's still insulated, mm-hmm. but it does get like the attic gets significantly hotter than the garage. In you know the what summertime. I would do then is they have those like hanging temperature sensors, and for like a week or whatever, I would see what the range is in like a season, and just start to collect the data so you can find yeah, out if I there's a plant that would make sense. Yeah, we'll see. I'm not committed to this being the long-term vision. My long-term vision is that we build like an actual atrium off the side of the garage in the backyard. So whether that ever comes to fruition or not, I have no idea. But yeah. Yeah. Are you guys going to redo the floor like the nice like garage floors or no? Yeah, I think so. But not necessarily immediately like I would like to say we'll do it by this summer but I'm not sure Jared has mixed feelings on epoxy floors which I understand but regardless if we get a nice like finished coat on it or not it needs repaired we have some pretty significant concrete they're not cracks they're like big chips and chunks out of it from over the years. And I can only assume it's from dragging salt in and then it just kind of like sitting on the surface. The garage hasn't been taken care of like at all since they built the house 40 years ago. So that's how our garage is. Like it needs a complete, like the walls need redone. The floor needs redone and we have two windows. So like it gets really good light. Yeah. It's bright in there. Like to the point in the summertime, I often think someone left the light on. Yeah. Because yeah. there's so much light streaming in underneath. Now, the door. here's an- another question Would you put blinds in a garage? Or, like shades? We have shades in the garage, mm. only so you can't see the cars from the street. I yeah. think we would need to potentially replace those. I think those might be the original shades. So they're probably dirty. I haven't looked at them in a while, but the door that we're going to add glass to, we're going to do security glass instead. But I'm not sure on the windows in the garage doors, if the man door, that's what I guess that's what they call a a full size swinging door, the regular door, if the regular door has the fluted glass, is it weirder to do clear glass or frosted glass for the other doors because you're not going to put fluted glass I would do frosted just for privacy I think frosted and fluted would look fine together yeah okay so here's the last question about garages okay so on our main level we have all bamboo shades in our windows upstairs we have blinds well, our garage is obviously on our main level. We don't have any sort of blinds or shades there. Would you do bamboo shades because it matches the downstairs? Or would you do blinds because it's a garage? Well, I personally prefer the, I think they're like two or three inch wood blinds. So they're 
that's what we have. The slats. Okay. Yeah. So that's probably what I would do in the garage. My only concern with bamboo is if you were to need to clean it. Yeah. Like it just, you can't like soak it versus like the other shades you could put in a bathtub and mm-hmm. scrub them. And yeah, the bamboo, it would just like creep in between the weave and make yeah. it really hard. Yeah. If you were doing like your garage and you know, maybe you lived in a warmer climate and you weren't planning to park in it and it was like your workout sure. studio or something, then I would say do the bamboo, but I would probably just do the, yeah, the slatted blinds. Yeah. We can, I'm tired of seeing our like cars from the street. And so I want to get blinds. That's the main reason we have them there. I really would, I kind of would just prefer to put a frosted film on the glass than put blinds up, but I don't know. I haven't tried asking for that one thing at a time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let me know what. I'll let you know if the fake plants is a terrible idea or not. I looked on Pinterest for like a solid hour and nobody decorates their garage at all. (laughs) There's a couple. And if they pop back in my feed, I'll show you. There's a couple of accounts that have popped up in my feed recently that definitely decorate the garage. I think someone who put fake plant out there, like an actual rug, artwork, a plant, whatever. And of course, like Instagram gave her like a bunch of shit for it. It's super cute. I just, I don't think it would work for our space, but yeah, you know, we'll see. Yeah. You know, we still have other stuff to clear out because keep in mind, part of it is so that you just don't pay attention to the like giant air compressor and the fact that we have an old lady walker and a wheelchair (laughs) immediately next to all of this other stuff. (laughs) Mine is just bike helmets and water shoes and scooters and bikes and chalk and bubbles. And (laughs) so we really there's no hiding the shit we have. No, pretty much everything has a home. There's definitely some stuff that needs to go. We have an extra fireplace insert that still no one's purchased. So we need to just donate it. Yeah. Yeah. Garages are always just the like, put it in the garage. Uh (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. You're like, "Hmm, okay. All right. Well, speaking of garages and things that hold a lot of things and (laughs) Are it is kind of like the garage. I uh-huh. agree with and, you. And are, is a point of hub for information and things. And multiple people go in and out of this thing. And I would say you reference your garage every day, multiple times a day for very important things. And so let's talk about the garage of your business. This analogy <laughs> is out of control. <laughs> okay, so... Today, we're talking specifically about creating an intranet for your company. And this is separate from project management, just so we're super clear. Like, this is not your day to day operations. This is more setting the precedent for the culture, setting the precedent for some training. You could include and link SOPs in here, though most of that tends to live in our project management system. This is the really high level stuff when it comes to how our business runs behind the scenes. And the interesting thing is, until we had it, I wouldn't have known it was missing. A hundred percent. Yeah. And now I can't imagine not every day. (laughs) (laughs) But really, like, it's so useful. So useful. Yep. And we've even taken it to next level. And we'll walk you through all the ways that we use it. We used it 
for mostly, well, for only internal for about a year and then started branching out to see, okay, how could this encompass and make a better experience for our clients? And we started using it for our group program, the incubator for a little bit. And then as our service-based clients kept coming back for more projects, we found that it was nice to have a central hub for all of that. So again, this is separate from project management. You are not checking here to see what you need to do next, what's on your subtask list, to upload all of the things, to get feedback on. This is literally the like central, it's central station. It's union station for your team, for your clients, for you. And so it's a reference point of the information that consider it like if you have stuff in Dropbox and Canva and Drive and YouTube and wherever else, you could have one central hub that then links to all of those spokes, so to speak. So you only have one place to find what you need, but it is not the place that also houses that information. If that Yeah, it's not necessarily the storage, it's the reference. Right. So we personally use Notion and love Notion. We began using it a couple of years ago, about two years ago, for our own wiki, our own boss project intranet wiki. And so it first kind of started to exist just as a place for us to kind of dump more. Once we started expanding into a team, we realized that there were a lot of reference points that You know, we were making Google Docs about meeting agendas or how to do a one-on-one meeting or any sort of reports that we wanted to pull or brand assets that people needed to quickly reference as they were, you know, creating graphics or building slides for a team or whatever it might be. And so we realized that there were lots of members on our team who would need to ask someone else where to find something or, hey, can you send me the link to this? Can you dig and look for this? So we started, this is actually when we created, right? We made the notion when we did that Airbnb kind of planning trip or it was like right around the time. That was definitely a refining stage, but it really started when we brought on HR support because we were rapidly hiring and we needed a way to showcase you know, the behind the scenes information for that. And so initially it started out as like very like technical legal stuff. So like we posted, it was like our bulletin board, virtual bulletin board, so to speak, where we post what's our pay schedule, what's our time off policy, what are all the benefits and how do you access them? When do you become eligible for them? As well as the labor laws. (laughs) Yeah. All the labor laws and posters that we have to like, quote unquote, post display display and then access to our employee handbook and because you know we're not a physical location we're not printing off you know I remember at some of my other jobs I would literally get a binder Mm -hmm. that included all this information up front you unroll that new poster and you have to tack it to the wall (laughs) (laughs) but we needed a way to just be able to update this for everyone but every time we hired someone new give them a place to go. And then that sort of expanded in the, okay, well, if they're going to access all of this stuff here, what are the other things they need to know right when they start? And so then we started developing, you know, our team playbook. And the cool part is our team playbook is now something that we go over and work on with our mastermind clients. And I imagine will be a part 
of what we do going forward in a much bigger way. But I love it because it it really sets up both the touchy-feely side of the business, like the culture, like you're describing your culture in a deep, thought-provoking way, but you're also giving all the like super technical information of, you know, what's our Slack etiquette and how do we set up Zoom calls and which link do we use for what kind of calls and, and how does the business operate on a high level that applies to everyone regardless of position and then once you know we're talking about a specific job then there tends to be you know very like separate locations for just one person's role but this is the thing that applies to everyone regardless of what their role is in the company mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so once we started really seeing the benefit to have like a central hub that linked out to all the things for our own team, we started to see how that might be beneficial for our group program. Now we already, you know, we use a course platform and then that's pretty much in the history, like where everything has lived. You go to that course platform to unlock curriculum, download sheets, rewatch coaching calls, find the links to the Facebook group or coaching calls, et cetera. And then in that Facebook group, we typically have like a pinned post that has links to where you log into your course, how you can access coaching calls, et cetera, et cetera. But as we started to create the curriculum that was a little bit more interactive, or we wanted to have just another hub to remind people about important dates. And I'm always the person that's like, you can't over communicate when it comes to your team or your clients. And so if there's a way that makes more sense for someone to access information that's sometimes easier to navigate, I want to provide that for them. So for me, navigating Notion, even as a client, is a heck of a lot easier than, okay, I need to log into this course portal and where exactly do I find that inside here? When you log into Notion as your client hub or your client dashboard, it's just all laid out in a really clear way. You're still having the link then to go to the Teachable, to go to Drive or to go to Dropbox or whatever, but it's just like categorized in a different way for when you're like, this is what I'm looking for now. Where do I need to go to find that information? Yeah. And I guess an important level of context to add to this is it's as easy to edit as like a Google Doc. But layout wise, it feels more similar to like a website so that it, it feels like you're landing someplace and interacting with a website. If you've ever seen any sort of like support intranet where like the knowledge base, they'll sometimes call it, or if they have like an education side of the company, you see this a lot on SaaS where they have one that includes like all the help articles and things. Imagine that, but not public. Like you're doing this where instead of help articles that you're posting out, on the World Wide Web, you're instead doing this internally to just make it easier for everyone to do their jobs. But that next evolution after we included our coaching program was to also do this for clients. Now, one of the things to keep in mind is Dubsado has a client portal. And there's nothing wrong with the client portal. You can access forms and questionnaires and load other things in there, but it doesn't have a ton of flexibility in terms of layout or additional features you can add. 
And so one of the things we wanted to do, like Emily mentioned, was we were having a lot of clients that were rebooking for different project types. And we wanted them to be able to have someplace they could literally bookmark. And then when they went back to things, they could access it. So the main reason it came up was in offboarding, we were finding ourselves searching for links and searching for documents and like trying to send someone a comprehensive list of all the deliverables we had done because you know, sometimes it's packaged up in this super beautiful way where it's literally a live website that we've launched and people know and understand their live website is their deliverable. Here is your website. <laughs> but when we're doing coaching or content creation or other project types, you know, we may have multiple coaching call replays or documents that like went over curriculum that we've covered and it pops up in a lot of different ways and we needed a central location. We didn't necessarily need it, but we knew it could add a layer of simplicity for our clients where they would have one place to check for all of the things. And like Emily is mentioning, this isn't a place we're directing people for commentary or for feedback or for approvals. This is the like, final approved version that we've gone over. It's all in one place so that when I come back to something six months from now, they're not emailing us, asking us questions. They have a central location that they can reference. Well, it gives a little bit of visual representation of the phases and the steps and potential due dates and deadlines of their project so that we can have yet another way that showcases urgency and our predicted timeline and all of those kinds of things. We quite honestly started this particular portion of the internet when, like Abby was talking about in the offboarding, it quite literally just saves our team a shit ton of time because what we were finding was that, so we use Asana for project management and our client card would absolutely have linked their contract, their scope, their, you know, a link to their first call or a workbook or whatever was provided in that. But a client can't access that card because it's in our own personal project management system. And so we were having to take links from that card and then email the client those links. Well, of course, emails get lost or forgotten or the client doesn't know what it was called or where to find it. So they would be asking again for something if they didn't save it. And so the hub exists as the place that's like, we only have to send one link ever. And the client can just refresh their hub and make sure to check the area that they're looking for, for the thing that they're asking. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Yeah, and I think it's added... It's made it a lot easier to reference. Even in the middle of a project, if someone has questions on process, we direct them to their hub so that they can see the overall flow. And, you know, we've developed additional materials too. Like some of these things, we have a PDF that we made that we sent them immediately when they booked. But long term, you know, those sorts of things get lost and can be hard to find. And so we wanted something that was just super easy for them to see our overall process. And so far, we've gotten nothing but great feedback on it. And I'm sure it'll continue to evolve as we add more details, because, you know, we want it to be simple. You know, there's a lot of additional things we could add to this, like we could link to someplace for them to give feedback or whatever. But we I just give feedback as a client inside Notion for Oh, it's not it's painful. I hated it. <laughs> hated with a capital H. It was awful. So maybe it wasn't set up properly. I'm not saying that you can't use Notion for that. I haven't spent the time to investigate that, but that is not what we use it for. <laughs> 
Yeah. And so overall, we just we wanted it to be something we knew we needed to update as we were delivering things, but not so intensive that when we were doing something that we were having to update it in four places, you know, like this is meant to be the final version and not add a bunch of extra steps to the overall process. And I just wanted to let you guys know, now we haven't used, I've used one of these for a personal Notion page that I've created, but there are Notion widgets that you can get out there. At the, all the ones that I've seen are free, that there's over 500,000 Notion widgets created. There's some that are like clocks, that are calendars, that are the weather There's an upvote button. So like if you wanted to give easier feedback and try to integrate that, you could. There's a progress bar. So you could update like the progress of a project and you can customize the timelines that it's measuring. There's quotes. There's a countdown timer. There's all sorts of different things. There's buttons that you can add. There's a free versions. And then there's like super, super inexpensive ones like $1.99. So if it's something that you're wanting to like beef up and make look even cooler, there are ways that you can dive into doing that. And it like scratches that itch of that like old like MySpace page and Live Journal and Zanga page that I, you know, used to customize the background and add music and add a a weather or whatever. And so it feels a lot like that for me. (laughs) Yeah. Now I do want to like kind of get into briefly why do we not use this for project management? I mean, quite literally, I could not imagine. So here's my version of this. There's like obviously intricacies of like pro conning out. And I would just do a simple Google search of like Asana versus Notion. And you're going to get someone who pro cons it out. I am always the person to encourage you to use this system that makes sense for the specific task you're trying to achieve that works in the way that your brain works. And if your brain cannot wrap around how an interface is laid out, the intuitiveness of how you create tasks or move things along or add context to something. If it is difficult in any way for your brain to wrap around that, you're not going to use it. It's why for the longest we, and I'm still in the camp of, I don't like Basecamp. It does not work in the way that my brain works. We've had to use Basecamp in a couple of past client experiences where we've been the client. And it was miserable. And so I know though that thousands and thousands of people use and love Basecamp because it works for how their brain works. Asana works very similarly to Trello. So if you've gotten in our corner because of Trello for business, then your brain is going to really understand how Asana works and it's going to grow with you if you have a larger team or you work with even outside clients or contractors for your projects. It just the features it has in there are incredible. Notion does not have those features for me. Yeah. I mean, even the intuitiveness of, say you log into Asana, you can see a snapshot. Like there's literally a thing that says like my task, my project, my like task. The, yeah. what you're actually working on versus in Notion, it's so customizable that like in many ways you have to end up and it could be that I don't know all the ways that it works. And that is, I'm not discounting that sure. it's not true. But a lot of times you're navigating to the specific spot to work on something. And it doesn't collect all of the things you need to do in one place, which right. to me is the major, like that's one of the major faults with Trello is that like it never put all of your tasks together. It still remains separate in the different silos. 
an Asana, it still works in that same board kind of fashion. If you prefer a checklist, you can change the views and stuff. But it having a centralized location for tasks was huge. Now, I will tell you, I did a quick Google search on project management for Notion. There are a lot of things that it does that we do not utilize for. Do I think it could work? Yes. Similarly, though, I think it would feel like every new page, just like a blank website page. So say you're opening up Squarespace and you're going to go design a new website. It's a lot more work to start. You're starting from scratch and you're figuring out what widgets you need or what boxes you need and how to utilize that page and then go connect that page to other things. So I think if your brain works more in the coding space and like very, very custom, I think that it could absolutely work for you. There's a thing that it does where you can break tasks into manageable steps with subtasks and dependencies. So if this, then that kind of thing. And it's a very visual, like one task breaks off into two and then those two break off into two individuals and you can visually see how it kind of flows down. If that's how your brain works, then maybe this could work for a piece of your project puzzle, but it very much would feel like to me creating something from scratch. There's timeline view, there's project view. Yeah. But I did want to give you an idea of cost and then a bit more on the kinds of things you can include if you want to develop out your own playbook. So in terms of cost, when you're just starting out, if it's you and then you sharing it with your team, you can have a free account and share that with your team with a a shareable link and they don't need their own account to access the information. So in a lot of cases, this can be incredibly beneficial to you because you can make it kind of a locked experience where they can't necessarily change or add or whatever. And not to say that you're going to have people on your team that are messing with some of this stuff, but it adds a level of security for you. We kept it as just Emily and I having access for a little bit, but we have enough team members that are building out their own sections of the company that they needed to be able to add their own profiles. So now we do pay based on the number of people who have their own profiles, similar to Asana. So it is an added cost for us, but it's been well worth it in my opinion. But the kinds of things that I would suggest thinking about, aside from the HR stuff I mentioned earlier about how to get paid, time off policy benefits, legal notices, employee handbook, Other things to consider, brand assets, so logos, photos, your press bio, things like that, things that you would have to share with other people or share internally, your colors, your fonts, all of that stuff. Maybe I reference that all of the time. (laughs) Yeah. We also have a recent press page that includes every interview we've ever done or any article that talks about our company so that we can go back and access stuff if we need to. It's really easy to not know where all that stuff lives. So we went back years to put a central location together of all the press we've received. We've ended up taking this feature away, but you could have kind of like a what's new section if you wanted to link to you know, specific agendas and make announcements in that way. At this point, we make all of our announcements in Slack. And then any sort of like what's new things get added to our meeting notes that we use Fellow for. And Fellow is a great app and tool that we've used for a long time. 
Now, inside our playbook, we include our mission, vision, and values. Not just, this isn't a laundry list of things that we believe. This is truly the how we expect people to show up and not show up in our company. It's very thorough, and it is something we reference in our one-on-ones with our team members. We will refer back to them if we feel like they're really doing a fantastic job or if we feel like they need to work on something, we will reference our values regularly. We also have our team motto, which our motto is a recent addition. And I think we did a whole podcast episode about adding a motto. So if you want to go back to that, that's a great tool. We also have a team directory. This was really helpful as we were hiring so fast. It includes people's photos, name, birthday, their email. But the things that I think are the most helpful are we include people's learning styles and their core strengths as well as their Enneagram type. We also have a couple fun things about them like their favorite candy and dessert and stuff. But for the most part, this is a reminder of if we need to work on our communication, we can come back to this. At this point, I probably could tell you pretty much everything about that person that's on their directory page now. Like not all of it verbatim, but I have a pretty good handle on who learns in what way and what are their strengths without needing to reference it. But it's a good tool for internally, people can see that of other people. So if they're going to collaborate on a project, they can learn more about them. Yeah. That company motto episode, by the way, guys, if you want to listen to it, it's our company motto and what it means for you. And it's episode 705. We also talk about our culture more explicitly, where we talk about what is culture and what of our expectations around that look like. And we expand upon things that are in alignment with our values, but not necessarily specifically called out about our values. So we talk about psychological safety and taking risks and having meaning and purpose in your work, ownership, our expectations around mental health and how we want to take care of people if and when things pop up, our focus on having results for our clients, but also an impact that lasts. And just like the overall vibes of the company. And I feel like these are things that were unspoken for a really long time, but we finally documented and spent time calling out in a bigger way. And that's been really beautiful. We also talk about accountability. This is not necessarily something we personally have to reference a lot, which is great because our team is really good about being accountable, but... This does document things in case there's any sort of performance issue that we can come back to and talk about what our expectations are, because these are things we shared with them upon hiring. It talks about how we handle conflict. It talks about our expectations of each other, because so much of it comes down to we're not going to hold your hand and you're accountable for yourself. And so what does that look like? We talk a little bit more about meeting etiquette how to have effective meetings, how to lead meetings. This was good for us when we were figuring out how to run them because for so long it was just us and it was like, (laughs) what do we need to do to be better at running our own meetings? And us doing the research to write the thing 
to be better at doing the thing was really helpful. Yeah. Like, oh, anything this is how you have an efficient meeting. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. We also talk about setting and making priorities. The fun thing about a playbook is you'll find things that naturally come up in your company as they come up more frequently, you'll realize, oh, if I outline this and make it a clear expectation, perhaps there'll be less questions. And the funny thing is, since we've defined how we set and make priorities, it has been so much less of an issue overall, like so much less of an issue. Now, granted, some of these people have just been at the company longer, but I do think overall we're doing a better job of making it clear what our expectations are. We also talk about our one-on-one check-ins, both from, we have a leadership side of this where we're talking about what does it look like to be the manager in a one-on-one, but we also have a company-facing version that what is our expectations of the employee coming into these things? And it's the same. So regardless of who's managing you, the expectations of those one-on-ones and the structure of those one-on-ones are the same across the board. So there can be as much continuity as possible. We do talk a little bit about performance reviews, mostly just to indicate the schedule. We do those biannually. And then Emily developed an incredible diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, resource guide. And we share this both internally with our team, but also with our clients. Do you want to speak to that anymore? Well, you know, I think it's important all the way from the job posting to interview process to onboarding and training, and then continuing to have the team member be a part of your team for you to be very, very open and honest about expectations for human kindness and inclusivity in your organization and with how you treat clients and the expectations you have for clients. And I think it's easier if you make that known from like the immediate get go, but also known and educate. So like there's a difference in saying you expect your team or your clients to be inclusive and to be equitable and to be diverse and whatever, but then for you to actually be intentional about making that happen, which includes providing educational resources. And so it's one of my favorite things to do to gather up resources and learn new things in that arena. And so honestly, I think we're probably due for another kind of just lunch and learn, so to speak, when it comes to adding some new stuff to that resource. And so I did a bunch of digging when we first made our intranet to really set the stage for how do we want to run our business and how do we expect our team members to run but we're also very intentional about how our clients are as well and try not to work with turds. And we make that very obvious by stating our DEI resource guide everywhere. We also have a more technical side of all of this. And these are the things that I see a lot of people spending time on in onboarding and they never mention again. And there's no real continuity in terms of how team members are doing these things. And it's interesting because like if you were in an in-person company, how your computer is set up and like how someone checks into things would be pretty standard across the board. But the moment people are virtual, people give people so much rain as to what the expectations look like. But we're like from the get-go, you know, I don't care if you use Chrome or Safari, but (laughs) 
this is exactly how you need to set up your calendar. This is exactly how you need to utilize Zoom. This is where you find all the links and logins that are pertinent to your job. This is how you should set up Slack and utilize Slack. And even just having rules around how we use emojis to respond in Slack has been huge. We also talk about giving feedback and kudos in Slack. We talk about how to submit expenses for reimbursement. We also speak to our meetings with clients. What are those different meetings called? Who needs to be in those meetings? How are they set up? What is the timeline of those being set up? All of them. That was the most recent resource I feel like we added on there was our call process and definitions because we, and you guys like, this is what happens, right? You're running a business and you have your team and you're working with clients and then there's a sticking point that happens and someone's bound to get frustrated. Someone's bound to be disappointed or someone's expectations aren't met. And what typically happens is you're just frustrated. You bitch about it. And then you move on to the next client, rinse and repeat and the frustration stays there. Well, what we are, and I will to our own horns for this, what we are very good at is like, as soon as a sticking point happens, we like, sometimes we'll have an ad hoc meeting or it's just me and Abby. And we're like, okay, this was the sticking point. Why was it the sticking point? And how can we trace the source of what actually caused the frustration or the miscommunication or whatever? Okay. Is there a process that we can set up at the very beginning of the sticking point to prevent it in the future? So this was one of those things where we all found ourselves like, it was probably for about a week or so where it was like, why is this like still so confusing? Why was this meeting scheduled when it was supposed to be this meeting? Or why was this person invited to this meeting when they weren't supposed to be invited to this meeting or whatever? And it was like, okay, wait, what's the actual frustration and sticking point? What can we do to actually make it streamlined in the future? Yeah. And some of it was really simple. It was like, Emily and I both knew what each other meant, but we weren't calling the meetings the same thing, uh-huh. and, which was confusing everyone else except the two of us. We knew well, exactly like, what she was happening knows, the She whole says time. this and I say the other way. Yeah, I know it's the yeah. same thing. <laughs> yeah. And so it was like, okay, we have to call meetings the same thing. We have yep. to get super clear on if we need time to prep because, you know, some of these client calls, we just need to show up and we need to go over a set agenda. Other times, Emily and I may be doing four, five, six hours of research or more and preparing things in advance of a call. And it's like, okay, well, how many days or weeks do you need in advance of that thing to make it possible? And then what link are we using? And do we need buffers before or after it because it's likely to go over or not? Game changer. I mean, are there still things that pop up? Yeah, there's going to be. But I feel like this clears up a lot and it gives us a structure to be like, okay, as we add a new service and there's different call types, Emily and I will, instead of waiting until it's a problem, proactively be like, okay, we need to outline these things and we're going to get clear. Well, and I'm looking at this and like, oh, we just like have developed a new service and are bringing in clients. I probably need to create a new call process for that service because it's different than our other ones. Yep. And we will. And it'll be great. Yep. And we'll keep it updated. And that's the thing is like, these things are meant to be fairly concrete things that don't necessarily shift. That's why project management is separate. This is the things that stay true. Now, that's not to say things don't get updated 
on an annual basis or you don't add things, we will add things, but we're not going in and like editing our company culture. Like, no. Once no. we've set no. our we're, culture and think on it if needed, yeah. but we'll expand, <laughs> but this is not redefining it at whim. Like these are right. solid things that we will reference for years into the future. Yep. Now, if you would like help building your garage, your intranet, your hub, and some of the pieces that go in it, this is something that we help our executive coaching clients with. So building your playbook, mapping out your meeting agendas and how you would do one-on-ones or how you do PIPs or a calendar structure for you and your team. And how do you integrate that and everything in between that comes in from establishing your values and your mission and then How are you communicating that with your team and which one of those are client facing and which ones stay internal and everything that all of that connects and touches, we help define, map out, establish, and then ultimately create your internet with you. So if that's something that you want help with, we would love to chat with you. You can head to bossproject.com slash waitlist. And as soon as you fill out that form, you'll be able to schedule a quick time on Abigail's calendar, like literally just get to chat with her and tell her that you listened to this episode and that you want to chat more about creating an internet and the pieces that go inside it. And we can figure out a project that works best for you. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.